0: one church podcast we hope you enjoy this message and for more information please visit us on the web at onechurch.net well today is uh, is a great day i have been so excited just to be back together having been gone uh for three sundays and uh, some of you know, I was on a trip with Anders, kind of a coming-of-age trip, and uh, we went to Norway, Sweden, and Denmark, a Scandinavian Viking tour, and uh, there, as he begins kind of a journey towards manhood, and uh, we had an awesome, awesome time. I got to speak in a, a great church, a little country church in Norway, which was so cool, And uh, but I've missed being here. This is the longest. I've not been here in, I mean, this would almost be a month, which I think is the longest I've not been here ever and probably the longest I've ever missed church, so I'm so glad that you guys are still here and that uh, (laughs) I'm glad to be back too. Uh, But we were, of course, last week we missed due to the hurricane threat, which thank you guys just for being flexible uh, with that. I know it's always hard to predict uh, what's going to happen, and we just felt like Uh, As the threat of the hurricane was approaching on Thursday, Friday of last week, uh, it was looking like it was Category 4 headed this way. And I just really felt like, especially for the team members, the volunteers that serve so faithfully week in and week out, I just felt like rather than being like, hey, we're going to hold down the fort while it blows away. If the hurricane was coming here, it was just better to cancel the service so that everybody could be prepared. Thankfully, that wasn't needed, and uh, and we're all here, and that is great. But um, we had planned last week, because it was Labor Day, we had, we had planned to talk about something that I am very passionate about, and um, something that I think is important for every follower of Jesus, just to have uh, in our, our minds as kind of a framework for thinking. And that is the topic of the integration of faith and work. And uh, how many of you got some time off of work last week? Some of you didn't. But most of us got time off. And of course, we're getting back into the uh, the routine. Let me grab my phone here because I've got a scripture on it. But we're getting back into the routine. And I know fall getting back into the routine. Um, some of you may love routine. Some of you may hate routine. But I know sometimes, um, you know, when it comes to work, we can, you know, feel like, uh, you know, there's just the grind of life. You know, it's kind of like back to school, back to work. Um, you know, vacation is over and like a distant memory, and now it's just like grind it out. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I had some awesome times when I was in Norway on these beautiful mountains, and it was like incredible time of the Lord, you know, felt so close to God. How many of you know it's a lot easier to feel close to God on like a beautiful mountain in Norway overlooking a fjord than it is on a Monday morning overlooking Colonial Drive, you know what I'm saying? And um. And, and, but for all of us, I think ultimately that feeling uh, results in sometimes a disconnect between our spiritual life and our work life. And, and so many of us, uh, we we live in this disconnect as if, uh, you know, our spiritual life, our relationship with God, uh, maybe we get a little, you know, pick me up on Sundays, but Monday through Friday, we're just kind of on our own. And and ultimately, I believe God wants all of us to understand the significance of uh, our, uh, of the call that he has on our life. And I wanted to just, uh, we're going to have a little discussion, panel discussion in just a moment. But I wanted to give you a scripture just to frame your thinking for this conversation. And it's out of Colossians 3, 23 through 24. And it says this, whatever you do, everybody say whatever. Some of you said it with like some attitude, whatever. (laughs) Whatever you do, do it heartily. That means do it with energy. Do Do it enthusiastically as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. What an awesome scripture, an awesome truth that You know, whatever you do, whatever God has called you to, wherever he has put you, uh, that you are not working for men in that place or for women in that place. You're not even working for just a paycheck in that place. You know, some people say this, you know, they'll they'll say what they do for work and often it's followed by you got to put food on the table. You know what I'm saying? You got to pay the bills And, and Oftentimes, that's where many of us live, or it's just kind of that working for the weekend mentality. But when we understand that God not only saves us, but He also calls us, and the Bible says that He has prepared good works in advance for us, it it changes not only our eternal destination, but it also changes our present reality, that wherever we're at, we begin to recognize, I'm not just working for men here, I'm serving the Lord. Uh, so if, you are a, if you're working in the grocery store in the produce department and you are stacking the tomatoes, it's not just doing that for your boss. You are doing it as to the Lord, as if every customer that came in was Jesus himself. You are doing it with excellence. You're doing it with energy. And, um, and, and for many of us, there is that disconnect in our lives between our spiritual life and our work life. And uh, 500 years ago, there was an amazing move of God. Some of you may be familiar with it. It's called the Protestant Reformation. And the Protestant Reformation, although there was a lot of uh, aspects to it, there was a couple of pillars to that movement that ultimately changed the world as we know it. One of those pillars is that all of life should be lived for the glory of God that whatever you do, you're doing it with excellence, you're doing it with energy. I love, there's a quote from, um, from Martin Luther King Jr., and he said this, if you're a, a street sweeper, you should sweep the street uh, as if all of the angels of heaven are looking on at you sweeping that street. There is nothing that doesn't matter because everything we do is under the Lord. All of our work, we're doing it to the Lord. And so there was an understanding of the glory of God. And there was also the understanding of what they called the priesthood of all believers. And uh, we've talked about this before, that every single one of us is called to ministry. That ministry may look different. That pulpit may look different. That, that uh, platform that God has put you on may look different. But every one of us is called to ministry. And uh, you are a, a priest, the Bible says, because wherever you go, you're carrying the presence of God. And so when you understand that, it changes the whole way you live. You're not just showing up to work on Monday. You're bringing the presence of God to work. Yes. When you go into that staff meeting, you are bringing the presence of God. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to start preaching uh, but and you know, give like an altar call in, in the staff meeting. But it does mean that you can expect supernatural wisdom, creative ideas, words of wisdom, words of knowledge favor on your life because you're carrying the presence of God with you wherever you go. And that changes everything. And really out of that Protestant Reformation, there became what was known as the Protestant work ethic. And I won't give like a history on all of that, but you know what's interesting? 500 years after that, that move of God that restored the dignity and the the value and the honor to work in every sphere of life. If you look at the countries in the world that are the most prosperous today, it was countries that were, that were transformed by that move of God. And, um, and so I believe that if we would begin to see all of life as live to the glory of God, that whatever work we're doing, it's to the glory of God, and that we also carry the presence of God into whatever we do, I believe it'll change the world around us. Amen? And uh, so today, we're going to take a few minutes just to have a little panel discussion, and uh, so I'm going to have a few other people join me up on the stage, and uh, as always, anytime there's some, like, you know, people that are maybe not used to being up here, how many of you know it's a good thing to give them some encouragement? It's good to give them some encouragement, okay? Who, who's, like, just overwhelmed with too much encouragement in your life? You need some discouragement. No, we all need encouragement. So uh, let's see, who do we have here? We'll go in order down the line. So, first of all, uh, we've got, actually, we're going to go this way. So, Coralie, Coralie Glason going to come up. And here's what we'll do. We'll just sit down. Coralie, you can sit here. and um, And then also, Sean, welcome. You can come on up. Sean, welcome. And then, Stephanie Sims, come on up. And uh, for our, our work and faith panel. And um, so these guys, I just had called them last week and said, man, I'd love for, you know, we're going to have this conversation. I'd love for you to be a part of it. And some of them were like, I'm not sure if I should. And I said, well, that's why you should, because you're not sure if you should, which probably means you have something to, to share. But uh, all of you guys, I just want to talk about what you do a little bit. And we'll start with Coralie, because you're closest Um, which we are actually uh, at your work today, Coralie. We are every Sunday. All of us come to your work because uh, you work here at the Orlando Museum of Art, right? And Steph, would you mind just sharing that mic with her? And uh, I'm going to move back so you guys can see. And um, so, Coralie, you work here. You do, right. and um, so like you literally are. You know that church work thing. Maybe that is blended. Uh, I'm here all the time. <laughs> all the I'm time. I'm here almost seven days, a
1: yeah. week, at least yeah. six. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, tell us. Uh, tell us what your role is here right. at the or um, museum. So of I'm art.
1: the associate curator here at the museum. Um, for those of you who don't know what the curator does, basically I'm kind of uh, the connector between the public, the artist, the art. Um, so I create exhibitions, I um, select artists, I select artworks, and I try and make sense of it for the public. Yeah. In a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> so like
0: what goes on in, that, in those galleries, you are part of shaping I'm part that. Of that.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. not entirely responsible for everything you see. You know, it's a team. Uh, yeah. It's a small team, but um, yes, I'm part of this. Awesome.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, we are so glad... Um, for you to to do that. Steph, would you next tell us, uh, you work in a different sphere. You're in not the creative field so much, but in the business sphere. Tell us about what you do.
2: So um, I'm in healthcare staffing. So I'm the director of global recruitment for um, a local company um, that does international recruitment for nurses and therapists overseas to bring them into the U.S. to staff the hospitals That need nurses and therapists.
0: Awesome. And what's the name of the company? Avant. Avant. Okay. Awesome. Very good. And last but not least, Mr. Welcome. Hi. Best last name. Best last name ever. And um, so, Sean, tell us. I know you are. You're a Renaissance man. You do a little bit of many things. Uh, Tell us your your vocation.
3: What do you do? So my uh, title is family engagement coordinator uh, Mm -hmm. with the Polis Institute. There's a hissing. Maybe grab, see
0: if (laughs) grabbing it a little further up, see if that helps. Let me see. Oh, yeah,
3: that's, you're you're on it. That's the ticket. Um, But yeah, there's a few things I do under that um, for the Polis Institute, but primarily it's uh, coordinating family fun events Mm -hmm. for a neighborhood. Um, So I basically, um, yeah, just, we have dinners and cultural outings and different things that coordinate and facilitate those activities um, for families around camp that live around Camping World Stadium.
0: Awesome. Yeah. So basically, uh, AKA a party starter.
3: Yeah, yeah. I just we like to have fun, and God found an organization where that was fitting. Um, yeah. and that has a whole long story, which I won't, won't get in, into on in the introduction. This is yeah. just like taste, and then you'll dig yeah. in deeper, I'm sure. Yeah. So.
0: So that's you work for the Polis Institute. Yeah, Polis correct. is the
3: Greek word for city. So if you think yeah. city institute, yeah. broadly, we try to find. Um, Uh, we're kind of like a best practices organization around community revitalization efforts. Mm -hmm. So there's investors that want to invest in the community and then there's residents that want to see their community thrive. We try to look at all sides and and consult and engage and try to figure out what's the best ways to make that marriage uh, happen Mm -hmm. um, because investors and residents usually speak two different languages. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of, we're a third party facilitator between different works in different parts of Orlando.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, let me ask you guys this, and you can you can order uh, answer in whatever order you um, you would like. I know uh, I know all of you guys love the church, love the Lord, serve in church, and you know minister in that way. But for all of you, the majority of your time is not spent in the church; it's spent in the marketplace. How, for, for you, in your particular vocation, how do you kind of see that, that di- divide or bridge between those two things? Is that something that is easy for you? Is that a process? Uh, I, I'm, I asked you to be a part of this because I think all of you do that in a great, great way. But I would just love for you guys to share a little bit of, like, your thinking about the spiritual significance of your work. Selah big question. Yeah. Coralie.
1: Okay. Um, so maybe I want to talk about art and how it connects to the creation. Mm -hmm. You know, um, we'll live in a world that's been created by God and then art to me is, um, an expression Mm -hmm. of that creation. um, and there's, like, a lot of things, you know, I, I see things as duality. and um, Duality? Yes, yep. duality. Yep. So if you see art mm. on one side and then maybe science on the other side, you know, very often they're kind of um, opposite poles. Mm-hmm. And um, so for me, um, I was always attracted by that kind of artistic and creative. And, um, you know, and very often it's seen as art is an expression of God's creation or, like, artists have the heart to understand um, the beauty of God's creation. Mm-hmm. And then, to me, science, which is the opposite, which is what I was never really attracted to, science is the way to understand God's creation. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I see that in myself. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm more of the understanding of the heart, mm-hmm. you know, of that creation. Um, and very often, the, the beauty of God is translated into art, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so that's how I think um, I see God being in my in my place of work, you mm-hmm. know, that it's uh, creation as a whole. Um, you know, he's the ultimate creator, and the artist is a creator. So that kind of, there's a connection there Yeah, yeah. Um, with messages, mm-hmm. that, you know.
0: That's awesome. Let me ask you this before yes. you hand the mic off, Coralie. Did you recognize that from the beginning of your career working in the art field or was that something kind of you were in and and your eyes began to open to as you walk through the Lord more? I Lord. mean
1: um, so I work in a in a field that's very elitist you know mm-hmm. a lot of people perceive it as being a very close field that you need to have all that knowledge you um, know in order to understand art there's very often I meet people that have the mindset of I don't understand art, you know, I know nothing mm-hmm. about it, or I don't get this, you mm-hmm. know, when they're in front of an artwork. And um, so I see my role as being, um, you know, kind of taking down barriers. A lot of people see curators and kind of museums as being gatekeepers. In fact, I, I had um, very recently an artist, um Talk to me and another curator as you, the gatekeepers, you know. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about that, and that really shocked me because it's it's true that this world being so elitist, you know, there's a value, there's a market for art, Um, there's a selection process. Even putting artworks in a museum in an exhibition, that, that it goes through a selection process. So everything, and that goes against what I felt that art was about. You know, to me, art was about. Creating that connection, that you know, get reaching that emotion, and for to have emotion, you don't need to have knowledge. You know, so it's a kind of like a completely separate thing, and so everything I do um, is to try and remove those barriers, to try and get people through the door and tell them you're you're worthy. You know, it's all about kind of. Um, Yes, you can get it. You don't need, you know, that preconceived or, like, um, you know, that previous set of knowledge, you know, in order to access it. So a lot of things I do is um, try and kind of uh, either work with the underserved or... um, Try and represent artists, or kind of put them to the forefront. People that don't have a voice, you know. I think that's very important um, because of years and years and centuries of se- selections of what gets put in a museum. You know. So. Yeah.
0: Wow. That that's awesome, Corley. I I um, I just kind of hearing what you're saying. Let me make sure I'm I'm understanding it right. Basically, art can be very exclusive mm-hmm. and it yeah. can kind of be you said elitist which I think we probably all can you know um yeah no disrespect to, to any art uh lovers but you know there is kind of this there could be this feeling of like you know art collectors that I've got to have that piece um mm-hmm. to show just that I have that kind of piece you know or mm-hmm. about impressing other people and kind of which actually builds a barrier you flip that around And and rather than saying, hey, this is a barrier, you're using that to be inclusive to Mm -hmm. other people. That is awesome. Let me ask you one more thing before Mm -hmm. we pass on to Steph. Um, So you, um, you know, the Bible tells us to share the gospel, preach the gospel, make disciples. Obviously, we do that here on Sundays. I I told somebody this week um, that our church met at the Orlando Museum of Art. And they're like, no way. How do you get to Mm -hmm. meet at the Orlando Mm -hmm. Museum of Art? I'm like, we pay them, and uh, so, it's, uh, but uh, but it's a great place uh, because it's not a place that um, that that people think. Oh, of course, that's like church place or that's like where Christians would be. You don't walk in with um, you know, Christian T-shirt on every Sunday or something like that. How do you, in your workplace, find opportunities to share the gospel? Mm-hmm. To
1: so. Um... One thing, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of very nervous about, you know, public speaking. I've never, I was a very shy um, child growing up. And, um, but your
0: French accent <laughs> makes you sound more intelligent oh, than all of true. us anyway, so we just go with what you say.
1: So... Um, and in my role, I have to do this a lot. Yeah, so yeah. I've had to anyway cope with that. And um, one thing you said years ago, and I it, I use it every day, like literally, or every time I have to be in front of people. Mm. And it's how can I be there and be a blessing to others? Because mm-hmm. then it's not on me. You know, yeah. it's on how can I be that channel that... Uh, that you know, provide something for others, whether it's support, whether it's, um, you know, kind of passing on the message of the arts and all mm-hmm. of that. Um, but, you know, going back to that accessibility, providing those access points to, you know, for the public to see the art and understand that they have their place here, you know, in a, in an elitist place. Um, one of the things um, I have or, like, my faith, I work um, and my faith and work, um, to me, again, going back to that duality that I um, I seem to be attracted to, I see my faith as being dual. Um, So if you picture a circle, and um, this is my faith, and half of it is my active faith. That's what I call it. It's it's the faith that tells me, go, do, now, you know, basically, you know, do it right now, you know. So that's the faith that tells me, you know, I'm a bit of an activist. I need to do this. Mm -hmm. I need to do it right now. My time is limited. Um, Let's do it now. You know, let's make things happen. And then there's the other part of my faith, which I call my enduring faith. And that's the one that tells me wait and trust. And the problem is that those two faiths, you know, are conflicting because for some reason, my active faith, you know, the go-do-now one, Mm -hmm. is bigger than Mm -hmm. the other one. And so I find that in between those two sections of my faith, um, there's like an area of frustration. So if something at work doesn't happen right now, I get really frustrated. Mm -hmm. And it's not only because I think... Um, I want it to happen, so it should happen. But that's because I really, truly believe it should happen, mm-hmm. because God wants it to happen. You know. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that applies to actual projects. You know, there's projects that I know that the public needs to see. You know, there's messages that God wants to um, to share there, and I, I see it. You know, I, I study, I research. You know, what's going on around the globe, and um, and then I get really frustrated when I see that. Um, this, for example, the funding is there, but I'm not allowed yet to apply for it because, you know, there's, there's reasons sure. that it might not be the right moment. And so an actual application of something that happened this week, you know, and I'm right in there right now, you know, um, there's a project I really want to do. And I'm researching for another project, which this time we got full support, tons of funding, uh, and it's happening. It's all about beauty, flowers, and friends. It's a beautiful exhibition that's um, opening in a couple of weeks. Um, So anyway, I'm researching quotes for this exhibition about flowers and friends. And I I find this quote which says, "Minds are like flowers. They open when the time is right. Mm. And that made me think, oh, my gosh, you know, I forgot that, you know, this is all on God's time. Mm-hmm. So my other project, which is all about, you know, um, it's a lot darker. It's a lot, um, it's a very tough subject, okay. but it's things that need to be, you know, passed on. Yeah, That's, you know, I need to find, you know, it needs to be on God's time. Yeah. So yeah. that's the frustration yeah. I kind of encounter. Yeah,
0: which is awesome. <laughs> Honestly, it's a good thing to bring up, even as we approach Alpha, of just kind of that, I love the way you. That, Coralie said active faith, and then the opposite of that wasn't inactive faith. It was enduring faith. And, you know, the Bible talks about waiting on the Lord, which doesn't mean being inactive. It means being faithful. And sometimes I think in our workplace, some people are like, um, you know, zealous for the Lord, zealous for good works, but it's zeal without wisdom. And so they go in and it's like, um, you know, kind of guns blazing, so to speak, and ends up doing more harm than good. So just learning, I I love that thought. I think that's such a a, a beautiful kingdom principle um, uh, of active faith, enduring faith. And and also, Coralie, I'll just say this before you hand the mic to Steph. Um, It's just awesome to see you over the years, even before you were here. Uh, I'll never forget the first time Coralie came to church. Scott invited her. Scott knew her through the art community, invited her, and Uh, Coralie, you've been a part of our community for four, five years now, five years now, and uh, it's just awesome to see you living in that place, both heart for God, love for God, but expressing that in a way that I couldn't do it, but God's put you, and so we just, I want to affirm God's call, God's purpose on you, that God's put you here, and and we're so glad for that, we want to encourage that and honor that, that place that you are, so thank you so much. For sharing, so we'll go down the line. Um, Steph, you um, have a different experience, obviously a different sphere than Coralie is in. You're in the business world, and you didn't start off in the business world. You actually kind of started off in church ministry school. You didn't get an MBA. You were you got a prayer <laughs> degree. I don't know. You know, it's you. You thought, got an eternal degree. Uh, an eternal <laughs> degree. That's right. And. Um, but you had a journey that God actually redirected you. Yeah. Talk to us about that, How you're, what your thinking was, processing was, and how you feel about where you're at now.
2: Um, it was definitely a, it was a big shift for me. I was doing high school ministry. We were actually doing high school ministry together at Oak Ridge, um, and uh, we were in ministry school, and I... I was working part-time at the mall to be able to do that, to be in ministry where um, I was working with youth and young adults, and I thought that was the journey that God had me on, and then I met this cute boy and that one? down over there okay, in the good. front, yeah. and God started to speak to me about us getting married and being responsible hmm. um, at the time, and some of you have heard Nate's story. I know, no, it's no, funny, right? You <laughs> saw the journey. You were there. Um, so um, I, met, I meet Nate, and God starts to speak to me about um, finding a job um, in the corporate setting. Mm-hmm. And I was like, say what? Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: like, that can't be from God. Certainly God wants Certainly, me to be preaching in Certainly, yeah. This is the path, you the know? I mean, and,
2: yeah. um, and he did. And through a series of events, um, I ended up at um, Avant, where I'm working right now, mm-hmm. and it was a corporate setting. And the Lord really challenged me because, you know, high school ministry, people don't see you every day. Well, they got to see you every day because you taught at Oak Ridge. But they didn't get to see me every day. So I'd show up once a week. We'd do Bible study, discipleship, and then I would leave. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that God was really challenging me about was to um, live my faith Mm -hmm. um, so that invite people to see me um, do that. And by how I treat people, how I react to things, how I lead, and so my first year at um, Avant, um, he told me not to pro- he told me not to evangelize, mm-hmm. and I know that sounds God weird. Told you. Yes, he was yeah. challenging me not to say anything. It was live your faith, and mm-hmm. that will open up the doors. Mm-hmm. Build relationships, and that will open up the doors. And it was challenging because I had come from um, the ministry aspect, and I was like we were doing outreach every day and, and we were in prayer meetings. And so it was just a different kind of Mm -hmm. uh, ministry Mm -hmm. and it's full-time ministry. And I think that's what I really realized was that Mm -hmm. no matter where God has you, you're on mission. So it can be wherever, you Mm -hmm. know, it can be in the corporate world. It can be at church. It could be at home, wherever it is, that's your missions field. Mm -hmm. And I used to our tagline with Outreach Orlando, which is one of the um, ministries that we are part of, um, was you don't have to cross an ocean to be a missionary. But God was like, you need to believe that, you know, for yourself. Like, you don't have to cross an ocean to be a missionary. Wherever you are, you're on mission. Because it really was about expanding the kingdom of God. I just didn't know that it meant me going into the corporate world. I thought, like, yeah, that's good for someone else. But when it came to me, it was like God was like, No. This is what I've called you to And so it was challenging not to say anything um, because I feel like I was probably one of those people that had a lot of zeal and lacked wisdom. And so it was God's wisdom to really train me to build relationships with people, let them see my life, um, be there for them. And they knew that I had a faith. um, And so it was through that that I had the opportunity to really share the gospel with some of my coworkers And I'm so grateful for the journey, even though it was hard, and it's still hard. I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm grateful because I feel like I got to be part of impacting somebody else's life for the kingdom in a way that if I was out on the streets, I wouldn't have been able to do that if God didn't put me in the corporate setting Mm. to make an impact in people's life. And so um, that's really what I think it's about. It's, being an ambassador, that's what the Bible calls us to, is being ambassadors for Christ yeah. wherever we are.
0: Yeah, that's, that's so good. Uh, I love that thought of an ambassador because an ambassador doesn't do any good if they stay at home all the time, yeah. right? Ambassadors actually need to go out to the, the people that they are ambas- representing <laughs> to, right? They're representing <laughs> to. Um, and so that's a, that's a great, great Thought. And, and also, as, as you were talking, I just had this thought, you know, Jesus spent a lot more time uh, in business than he did preaching. He was basically in business most of his adult life, three years in preaching, in, in preaching ministry. And so I think that dignifies and sanctifies, so to speak, the, the, the business world that you're in. And um, and I think it's so important for us to have that understanding. Let me ask you this. You um, your primary role and is uh, I think you said global director of global recruitment. So you are recruiting nurses. There's a there's a, a lack of nurses here in the states. So you are working to recruit nurses and you're in a leadership role leading a team doing that in that leadership role. How does your walk with the Lord, your, your relationship with God, cause you to lead differently than if you didn't have that?
2: Yeah, I think that um, I'm conscious that we have to be the salt and the light of the world. And how I, re- I know that as a leader, I have to set the pace for my team, and they're going to take their cue from me. And if I am a bad representation, if I'm a bad example, then I'm really not representing God well. Mm-hmm. And so I'm conscious. I'm not perfect. I mean, it's hard <laughs> for sure. But I'm conscious that however I respond to situations, they're looking at me, mm-hmm. especially knowing that I'm a believer. Mm-hmm. And so I have to, you know, I really do ask the Lord, help me, God, to respond in this way. It, can I give a, a quick example? Yeah, please. so um, probably one of the most difficult situations that I encountered last year was that we lost a co-worker um, who was my team lead. Um, so, And she was a believer, young, 23-year-old, and she and I were friends outside of work. So it was really difficult because she played such an important role on the team and, of course, an important role in our lives. And I, I knew then that God was saying, you have to walk through. you have to walk this out right because this may be the only way they see Jesus Mm. is how you respond to this situation. Um, and so that was really tough because I mean, it's, it's hard enough to lose a, she was a friend, a dear friend, um, but she was also affected my work life. And so, um, it was, that was one of the toughest situations that I've ever had to go through. And, um, to help walk them through grief of losing someone, and the company had never experienced that ever in 15 years. And I was conscious, like, God help me, because there would be times that I would just burst into tears because, you know, you lose a friend and a coworker and someone that had a vital role on your team, but I could only imagine what other people were feeling too. Mm -hmm. And so um, honestly, through that situation, as hard as it was, God opened the door for the gospel to be preached. And there were a lot of people that started asking questions about the Lord. And I'm not saying I walked it out right, but God gave me the strength to walk through one of the most challenging situations in my life and helped other people see him through that. And so I couldn't have done that without the Lord for sure. And um, but it did provide an opportunity for people to they were going to organizational development and asking questions about God. I mean, it like started to open the door for that. And so I think that um, I think it's important to remember that how we respond, people know, like when people know that we're believers, how we respond to situations, how we lead people through situations, our integrity, what we say, what we do. That's a reflection of the Lord. And we just need to remember that that, that's the case wherever we are.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, here's a thought maybe for you guys just to keep in mind. You may be the only minister that anybody knows. The people that you work with, when they go through a moment like that, oftentimes there's this openness to spiritual things, uh, openness to conversations, And, um, you know, I just was thinking about that verse uh, about Esther. God's brought you to the kingdom for such a time as this. And so I just want to encourage all of you uh, just to be mindful of those moments and uh, to be prepared when God does give you the opportunity to open your mouth. Because some people say, you know, well, I just preach the gospel with my word or with my actions, which can be a cop out for never opening your mouth. Uh, God was really helping to bring you into balance with that, so that when the moment came, you'd have that that opportunity to share. One more question for you, Steph, and I think, uh, I wanted to ask you this, because I don't know, Sean, is your organization, is that a non-profit? It is. Okay, so Steph, you're the only one of these three of you three in a for-profit business, and I know sometimes um, there can be this thought, like, okay, you know, church is like, that's really godly, and then, like, non-profit, that's that's godly, too. But if you're, like, working in a business, that's, like, that's evil. <laughs> and uh, But you're working in a, in a business, and I just want you to tell us, uh, because I don't think it is, and I believe God actually wants us to understand that wherever he puts us, that, you know, it's we're, we're called there. And so tell us from your perspective, just your thought on working in the business world, which does have a bottom line and does have a goal of making profits. How do you view that um, in your spiritual perspective?
2: Well, I think that um, it boils down to money, um, I think, too. And just seeing that God uses money to expand his kingdom. Yeah. And so people have jobs um, because there are businesses. We're able to be here, um, you know, because of business. And I think um, it's a sphere. God uses the business fields or the marketplace Mm -hmm. to reach other people and to expand his kingdom because, and whatever that looks like. You know, our mission is to change lives at Avant, and there's a a million um, openings in there. They're saying in two years there's going to be a million openings in hospitals that Mm. we can't staff. Mm. So that affects communities, that affects... um, People that even like anybody working at a hospital that affects their lives. So I think that we have the opportunity to make an impact not just in the U.S. but globally because we're helping people um, come from other countries that don't have that opportunity to come into the U.S. to staff um, these open positions Mm -hmm. to be able to provide care for Mm -hmm. hospitals and patients that need it. Mm -hmm. So to me, I think that God, it's an amazing mission, you know, and that's in God's heart. God wants people to be provided for. God wants people to be taken care of. God wants to um, give other people opportunities that they may not have. Mm -hmm. You know, I... I came from the Philippines, so I know what it's like to come from one country to another country and have the opportunities in the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, to be able to have what we call the American dream, Mm -hmm. you know. And so I think it's business is needed in the kingdom of God. And I mean, he loves that. That's right. It's in his heart.
0: That I love that thought. Business is needed in the kingdom of God. And, And I just want to encourage some of you. Um, that work in the business field, and maybe you feel like, oh, that's a disconnect from my spiritual life. It doesn't have to be. In in fact, what is a minister? It's, It's someone who serves other people, and, and really that's what business is is serving the needs of people money's the byproduct the more people you serve the the the, the greater the profits really and um, but it's just such an important thing for us to understand so Steph, thank you so much for uh, the way you serve here in the church yeah we can Sean's leading the, <laughs> <laughs> the, the we can't leave Sean hanging um, Sean I want to talk to you and um, and we'll talk uh fairly quickly. I apologize that uh, we really talked so long, but uh, which is good because I always dread talking at the same time as you because I realize how much I sound like Pee Wee Herman uh, <laughs> when you start talking. Um, so, uh, Sean, you work for the Polis Institute. You, um, you kind of had a shift to get into that Field, you're also a, a, a spoken word artist, a poet, you have led the longest running spoken word um, event in Orlando every Tuesday Tuesday night um, at Dandelion Cafe. Um, how did you come into what you do? Just talk to us about kind of how I, I believe you had a shift as well that God kind of aligned your gifts with the place he's called you?
3: Yeah, so um, I'd say that began roughly about 2010. I was in the corporate uh, space. Is where I met my bride, uh, Jana, there. And, um, yeah, we were just taking calls, uh, human resource outsourcing, so just on the phones all day helping people get connected with medical, dental coverage, and that kind of thing. Um, But uh, I would always get requests to perform and, and just do different things in the Community, what have you? But mostly performances, and um, I felt God kind of tug on my heart to say, like, you gotta leave here and and speak and perform and be in community. Um, at the time, um, I'd been married for about two years. Um, we had two kids uh, at the time, and I mean, not that we don't have two kids anymore, but like, there's <laughs> been more. Uh, so, 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 uh, I. I struggled with sort of like this call to leave and, um, and I did and um, and things were um, rough for, for like I didn't have any engagements lined up or anything like that per se um, that would sustain our family. Um, but I felt like it was it felt more natural to be kind of out and engaged with people and performing and that kind of thing. So uh, long story short, um, things kind of dipped. Uh, we were uh, homeless for about seven months, not on the street, but living with family and, um, and that sort of thing. Um, and then I, I picked up a, a, a gig with AmeriCorps, um, doing, uh, working in Apopka, working with a community out there. They placed me at Wakaiva High School where I was teaching second language learners, math and English and that kind of thing. And then um, uh, someone saw me working there and hired me to work with teenagers at Jones Oak Ridge. Uh, Evans and Makava High School through a nonprofit called Pops, which kind of helped kids uh, get jobs in the summer and do some mentorship and that, that sort of thing. Um, then Oak Ridge was like, oh, this guy's great. Let's see if he can teach, you know? And so ended up uh, teaching at Oak Ridge, which is where me and Steph did started doing some ministry there. And uh, during that summer, um, teachers don't work in the summer, so I got a job at Frontline, and I was doing some arts things with the kids. Uh, There and uh, through that, there was an organization um, called uh, Polis Institute um, and Lift Orlando actually that was doing some revitalization efforts around Camping World Stadium that was looking for somebody who was well connected with schools and in community and uh, had all of these, like, you know, skill sets, I guess, and um, to to do, do this whole family engagement, coordinate a whole family engagement program. Um, and then they hired me, and I've been with them for the past three years, all while doing the, the open mic kind of thing, which was a steady uh, beat of engagement that I've always um, kind of had. So, um, so, yeah, he brought that full circle to where I had to really kind of trust God that that's what he wanted me to do and sort of uh, be in the valley while... Uh, he was sort of creating this structure for me to thrive in and use my natural uh, giftings and and skill set. And now I do both. I'm in community and I'm, you know, performing, uh, which is in some cases very much for profit. You know, I'm kind of like poet for hire uh, out here in these streets. So, um, so yeah, I'm grateful for that. And um, uh, I may anticipate your next question about the ministry kind of aspect. Well, I'm gonna let you do your thing. Sorry, I'll stop right there. um, (laughs)
0: Sorry, I was seeing how much we (laughs) finished each other's sentences. Um, I uh, so I want to kind of go back to what you said. I love that thought of God created something for you. You were kind of in this valley, in this wilderness, and uh, and actually, in just a moment, we're gonna pray for people that. Uh, are in that place, but I, I want to ask you, Sean. What would you say to somebody that feels like, "Hey, God's given me this call, this passion, and I feel like I'm a million miles away from that. And what I'm doing, uh, I'm going to do it as under the Lord, but I feel like I am not in the purpose or calling that God has for me." And, and you are in that place, and now to be in the place where you, it's like God's purpose and your gifting and your passions have aligned. What would you say to somebody that's not in that place today?
3: Um, I, I mean, I guess in 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 I can speak from how it's worked in in my life. So while I was on the phones at what seemed to be kind of out of the purpose and will of God for my life. He was developing my communication skills, Mm. right? That was something I was totally unaware of, of being on the phones for eight hours a day and and having clarity of thought and all that kind of stuff. Um, And then there's just kind of seasons where I think God in his sovereignty is developing our own selves to be able to thrive for his maybe ultimate or more clear purpose uh, for our lives. And so um, I don't know if that's uh, somewhat of an encouragement where You know, if you're kind of like in a lost space, like maybe question what what is God developing in me in this season in my life that's going to be beneficial for his kingdom in the next season?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So good. That's a that's a good encouragement for people to hear. Uh, Last question, Sean. So now you're in this sphere. How do you view kind of ministry in that? um, What's if you were to kind of pinpoint how your ministry is being expressed in that? What would you say that looks like?
3: Um, I mean, it's most evident at uh, at Dandelion uh, Cafe with the um, open mic night. Um, just to paint a picture for those who haven't been there, there's people who perform poems and sing songs and do comedy, and it's a lot of different um, uh, worldviews and mm-hmm. vantage points and, and expressions. Um, sexually explicit, uh, vulgar sometimes. Like there's. Uh, it's God's, not a Christian. Po- yeah, it's po- not a Christian po- event. It's like super. Just it's. <laughs> Whatever, but um, there there is kind of like a common denominator of respect uh, out there and a value for people um, exercising their their gifts um, that you know, God-given gifts. We all have something to the table, and the way that I sort of treat everyone and, and engage with uh, people, and um, yeah, I, I love it because it, it's almost like you know, the, it's 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 contact you know with. Uh, as you s- stated earlier, like uh, you may be the only minister in yeah. your circle, whatever it yep. is, um, and that's not to say like everyone out there is just lost. You know what i yeah, There's of course. believers that like yeah. come out there too, um, but it's just not exclusive. It's just yeah. uh, public service, yeah. and um, I love it because uh, I think uh, even uh, Eddie and, and his, his sister came out and, and did some worship song or just a, like jammed out there for a little yeah, bit yeah. and. Um, there's people who have uh, there's um, a poet that uh, she, she wrote a poem about apologizing on behalf of the church uh, and Henry. I'm a believer and how that ministered to people so yeah. there's opportunities for uh, people who wouldn't necessarily come to a church setting um, to be ministered to through the vehicle of art mm-hmm. and and poetry and expression and and um, yeah, I, I love that. I have to always remind myself that there, it's it's ministry out there because I can tend to forget. I just get I like to have yeah. fun, you know. Yeah. Like uh, oh, people, you know, out there, I'll play some music and people are you know eating some vegan <laughs> food and, and and drinking kombucha and uh, <laughs> all of that stuff. Uh, I get I like I, I'm out there drinking my kombucha too, you know. Yeah. And and so yeah, I I think that because the. Um, the defense system is so down; it just creates the greatest opportunity for ministry to kind of come in.
0: So. Yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful environment, and uh, Not for
3: kids sometimes. Yeah, yeah, maybe don't your bring your kids. We went is. after
0: Connect Group one <laughs> night. I was like, "Oh man, I uh, <laughs> maybe I should make this an official Connect Group outing." Uh, but it is an awesome, it's an awesome moment and a great place to be, but, uh, well, guys, thank you all so much. Can we just give them a round of applause, and thank you all so much, an awesome, uh, awesome thing.